Good morning, my friends. I trust that you are well. I would like to welcome you all this morning once again to our fellowship, to the sharing of the Word of God. My name is Nimrod Bai from Koinonia Ministries, and today we are going to look at three kinds of people. And we are going to be asking ourselves, what kind of person am I? Our reading is from uh, the book of First Corinthians, chapter 2, from verse 12 up to chapter 3, verse 4. Let us pray. Dear loving Father, we live in a fallen world, a world full of sin, full of corruption, a disorderly world. But Lord, you have called us out of this world of darkness and brought us into your light. You have given us the truth by which we are to live. And we pray, Father, that as we read this word and meditate on it, it shall restore us back to where we belong, on the path of holiness and righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The word of God says, from verse 12, chapter 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, from verse 12. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in word taught, taught us by human wisdom, but in word taught by the Spirit, exp expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand because they are spiritually designed. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Now we shall go to verse chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I give you milk not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since, since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting as mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere men? Now, so those are the three kinds of people that Paul is writing to for our consideration and for our instruction this morning. 
The first man that Paul describes in that scripture is a spiritual man. Is a is a man without a spirit, Adel Padon. The natural man, the man without God, a person who has no knowledge or God or relationship with him. Person number two is a spiritual man. And number three is the man of flesh or the worldly man. And uh, as I said earlier, the question we all need to answer as a church of Jesus Christ, as churchgoers, as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, is in which category do I belong? What kind of person am I? What kind of Christian am I? Now, the Corinthian church appears to have had all these three categories in the congregation. For that reason, there were problems and challenges. There were divisions, there were rivalries, there were quarrels. Many were taking others to court. And what is even worse is that they were guilty of moral and spiritual corruption. They also tolerated people among them who were living in sin, without any rebuke, without any correction. And so Paul wrote this letter both to encourage them in their Christian walk, but also to correct them from their error and to instruct them and to guide them in the way they should live, the way of salvation, the way of the cross of Jesus Christ. So let's look at these categories in a little detail now. Who is this man without the spirit? Who is this natural man? According to uh, chapter 2 verse 14. The man without the spirit does not understand the things of God. That is how we, what we are told. Spiritual matters are strange to him. They are mere foolishness. The natural world of today, as it was then, does not believe that it is a world except the world we have. The world is limited to the physical world with which we are familiar. The supernatural life that the Bible teaches about does not ex exist for the philosophers and the scientists of this world. And even unfortunately for some Christians, we don't believe there's a heaven or hell, for instance. And that is the philosophy of the natural man. Life is limited to this world. So I'm going to have the best of it because after death, there's nothing more to expect. In simple terms, this man or this woman does not go know God, nor does he care about God. His basic characteristic is self-love. He is the center of his own life and does everything to please himself. The Bible, on the other hand, teaches that the most important of all of God's laws, and in fact, the most important law of life, is that God comes first because he created the world and that we should love him 
with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And also we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. This means that the normal order of things in life is that God is, is, is tops, first priority, is the priority. Second, it's my neighbor, and I come next. But with the natural man, this is not the case. With him, it is me first, then I second, and myself third. This is what the Bible calls sin. When we disorganize the order so that man comes first or something else comes first in the place of God, that is what we call sin. The natural man seeks to remove God from the center of his universe and make himself the center of the universe. The natural man lives independently of God. He believes that he is the center of everything, that he is able to manage his own affairs without anybody's help, that he is able even to tame the natural forces and overcome them without help from any quarter. To underline this point, well, a certain writer, William Henley, in a poem called Invictus, wrote and said, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Well, really, in our scripture, Paul says, the unspiritual man cannot understand the things of God because they are spiritually revealed. Unless they are revealed, God is known through revelation. That's why the natural man does not know God, because the truth has not been revealed to him. But the reason is, of course, this man, this natural man, is both spiritually and morally dead. He doesn't feel anything. He doesn't know anything beyond his own world. According to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, the life of the natural, natural man is defined by, by such vices as immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, outbursts of anger, jealousy, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, etc., etc. This person is eternally separated from God. He is an enemy of God and the object of God's wrath, judgment and his wrath. The truth is, far from being the captain of his own soul, this man has had his fate already settled elsewhere. He is destined for hell and fire. What is our responsibility towards such a person, my friends? You see, Jesus died for this person, for this man or for this woman. It doesn't matter how offensive he is to you. God loves him as much as he loves you. And God would like to have a relationship with this person. And it is our responsibility, we to whom the, the truth has been revealed, to share that truth 
with this woman or this man to bring them to Jesus who is the way, the truth and the life. That is our responsibility and our challenge. And the good news is God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So who is the spiritual man? The spiritual according to uh, chapter 2 and verse 15 of our reading this is the ideal person. This is the person that God created. For God created man in his own image. Man had the spirit of God in him. But then you see, we know what happened. Adam and Eve sinned and fell from grace. And he was him, he and his wife were separated from God. And that's why we are born with sin in our lives. We without coming to Christ and having a relationship with him, we are like fallen Adam. We are natural people. But now God wants us, all his children, to be like his son, Jesus Christ, who lived among us, who was tempted by the devil himself, but without sin. The spiritual man lives to please God, not himself. He lives also to serve fellow human beings. His life is defined by the presence in his character of the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, patience, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And who is the worldly man? Or the worldly woman this this is uh, recorded in chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 basically the worldly man or the the worldly woman or the man of flesh as this called in some other translation is a christian believer who has divided loyalties james calls this person a double-minded person who is unstable in all his ways. This person wants the best of both worlds, the spiritual and the world. As a, as a text or the passage we read this morning tells us, worldliness was a chief problem in the Corinthian church. Although many of the Corinthian Christians had some special gifts of the spirit Paul, nevertheless, does not treat them as being spiritual. To have gifts of the Spirit is one thing. To be spiritual, to have the fruit of the Spirit is something else. Paul calls them mere spiritual infants, deserving to be fed with milk, with baby formula, rather than the solid food, the solid Word of God. They were like so many of us today. We are always boasting about our beautiful church buildings, about our church denominations, about our, the superiority of our programs, our, the beauty of our music, the charisma of our preachers, etc., etc. Et While at the same time, we are neglecting to obey, to do what the Word of God says, and to refrain from doing 
what the word of God says we shouldn't do. The worldly Christian is perhaps the most miserable person on earth. He has given his life to Christ, all right? He eats at the Lord's table, and outwardly he looks like a, a good man. But the man lives a double life. He is a miserable person because he lives a lie. So he has devised a very clever way of hiding his real self. On Sunday morning, he looks good and holy and even righteous. And he speaks the correct, you know, uh, religious vocabulary. But most of the rest of the time, he lives a sinful and a worldly life. This problem was not exclusive to the Corinthian church. The apostles constantly wrote letters to all the congregations, or at least to most of the congregations, because they all had issues that needed correction and, uh, and instruction. Double-mindedness remains a major problem in the church today. Truth be told, many Christians, including respectable pastors, are struggling with this problem of double-mindedness, of a double life. What does our Lord Jesus think about such people? Jesus does not mince his word. He blasts them. He calls them hypocrites. Hypocrite, by the way, original, the, the original meaning of the word hypocrite was an actor performing in a play. As you know, an actor's life on the stage is different from his normal life. So Shakespeare says, all the world a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and they have their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts. The question is, my friend, my brother and my sister, am I living the life God intended for me? Or am I living the life of a hypocrite, an actor on stage, a pretender? Thankfully, this condition has a cure. And what is the cure? Uh, let us quickly look at the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now this scripture compares our walk with, in life as Christians as people preparing to run in a race. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us draw off everything that hinders and the sin that so e easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endure the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. My friends, Jesus is the only true and the only perfect human being. Let us fix our eyes on him and follow the example he has set for us. Let us especially get rid 
of all the unspiritual baggage that we are carrying otherwise we may be disqualified from the race the salvation that jesus christ offers is intended to transform us from within and to make us like himself it is not enough just to be called a christian or to come to church you need the work of the holy spirit to change you and to change i from inside and what is inside will reveal itself outside through our good character from the scriptures we can tell quite easily what kind of person jesus was and the kind of life he lived while he was here on earth so we can tell by following his example the kind of person we are going to be for it is god's desire and plan in saving us to make us like his son jesus christ so let us check uh, the kind of person he was by looking at some of his recorded characteristics first of all we need to look at his simplicity in philippians chapter 2 we are told that although he is god and co-equal with god nevertheless he never thought that his equality with god was something to contend for instead he lowered himself and became a servant he divested himself of all dignity all glory all his majesty and became a servant even to the point of dying on the cross like a common criminal we need to imitate his attitude towards other people we have this tendency of excluding from our fellowships people who are not like us let us learn from jesus he admitted into himself and into his fellowship with himself people from of, of all social dimensions i mean tax collectors sinners outcasts drunkards women children men he has no discrimination in him we need to imitate his obedience to god we need to imitate his prayer life we need to imitate his utter dependence on god we need to imitate his compassion and his selflessness we need to imitate his passion for righteousness and justice we need to to imitate his absolute intolerance of sin and his love for lost sinners as well as his fearlessness and all these things my friends we can become for as i keep on saying god wants us to be like jesus now do we want to be like jesus that's a big question but people will ask perhaps is change really possible and i want to call apostle paul as my witness paul says even about about himself that he was a persecutor of the church a murderer of sorts until he had an encounter with jesus on the way to damascus and his life was dramatically and very radically transformed and became a totally different person later he was to write as follows i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live the life but christ lives in me and the life i live in the body i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me yes brother 
Yes, dear sister, change is not only possible, but it's available right here and now. Jesus can change you and me. Now, my brother, my brother, my sister, if you are struggling with sins, with some secret sins, or with some bad habits, I want you to know this. You are not alone. Know also that this is a spiritual battle. You cannot manage on your own. You need help. But then, in order to get this help, you need to, do, to know these two things. One, you need to admit that you have a problem and that you are in need of help. Number two, you need to step out and seek this help. Number three, you need to know that Jesus alone is able to cure our soul's diseases. Invite Jesus into your life, my friend. Let him take control. Let him go through your soul and your inside and turn you inside out and give you a thorough inspection and also a radical uh, 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 surgery. Let me leave you, my friends, with some practical um, suggestion. Now we started to ask ourselves, what kind of person am I? Now, we, we, we don't want to answer this question because we might give the wrong answer. We might judge ourselves either too harshly or too leniently. Let God through His Word and through His Spirit give you the answer. So let me suggest that you pray this prayer drawn from Psalm number 20, Psalms number 139, verses 23 and 24. It says, Search me, O God, I know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I thank you for listening and I commit you to Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Remember to check that number below there and do get in chat. Let us talk. Amen.